0: Father God in heaven, thank you, Lord, for your power, your glory, your might, and your strength. Thank you for your greatness. Thank you, Lord, for rescuing us from Satan's domain, from the domain of darkness, and bringing us into your glorious, beautiful light of of your kingdom through Jesus' death on the cross. And now, Lord, we are committed to following Him with all of our hearts. Not half-hearted, not some of the time, but all the time, Lord. Let, Let us, Lord, lay our lives down in the sense that they belong to us and let us give our lives to You in complete service. Lord, we love You and we praise You. And Father, as we look at treasure this morning, lead us and guide us through this Bible study as we study your word together, as we open our Bibles and, and, and you speak the honestos you, you breathed it out, speak into our hearts. In Jesus' mighty name I pray, all God's people said, amen. If you're able, have a seat. Praise the Lord. Well, please turn in your Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. This morning we're studying uh, verses 19 through the end of the chapter, verse 34. And I uh, just want to open up with reading the first couple of verses to get our minds oriented in the direction that the scriptures are taking us this morning. So Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Jesus says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Father, thank you for your word as we study it this morning. Uh, Speak to our hearts, Lord, and let us see where the real treasure is. In Jesus' mighty name I pray, amen. Amen. So this morning, we're continuing our study on the Sermon on the Mount. And basically what Jesus is teaching on today is material management. We all need help in that area of our life. Because let's face it, man, we're, we're creatures of habit. We're creatures that we like to take in stuff. And so I want to start off with a quote. Start off with a quote from Albert Schweitzer. He was a German theologian. And Albert says this, if you own something you cannot give away, then you don't own it. It owns you. What do you have in this life that you can't let go of? Seriously, this ain't just a question to get your minds thinking, but what is it in this world that you're clinging to that you say, I can't let go of? If, the, if you have an answer to that question, that means that you technically don't own it, but it, it owns you. For some of us, that's our car. For some of us, that's our home. For some of us, that's our, our bank account. For some of us, this, this is a, an obsessive hobby. But what is the most important thing to you in this life? And if it's not Christ, you need to repent. Because Christ commands us to place him first. Just put it out there up front. That, you know, God has created you for his glory and for his purpose. And he wants you to have an intimate, deep relationship with him. He wants to be first in your life because he's the creator. And he died on the cross for your sins. To forgive you of your sins. To save you from eternal damnation. To give you a hope, to give you new life. If you understand the gospel and if you take the word of God to heart and take it serious, man, you will be like, yes, I want to surrender my life and all to him because he's so good. But what's the most important thing to you in this life? What is your greatest treasure? And what I want to, t- where I want to take you this morning is, I want to, I'm gonna put it out there, I'll put it up there up front, which is the title of my message, is The Treasure is Christ. The treasure is Christ. Christ. Now, if you're able to peel your eyes off of this material world and and look at life with an eternal perspective, this this truth will become real. When you consider the length of eternity, when when you consider the things that matter most, when you consider how far we've fallen into our sin and how far we've fallen away from God and our rebellion, and then you understand Jesus man, he will melt your heart in devotion, in love, in commitment. So that's what I want you to see. We're talking about material possessions, but I want to put, make the big thing, put, put it out there up front as we study this passage on material possessions, is make your treasure in this life, Christ, and you will not be disappointed because he is that magnificent. He is that great. We got to peel back the religion. We gotta peel back the tradition. We gotta peel back our material possessions. And we gotta look at eternity and see what's most important and make that the most important thing. So, y'all ready to study it? Let's do it, family. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 says, Jesus says these words Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. You see, we live in a world where we are programmed. We are programmed, I repeat, to idolize our material possessions. We want more, more, and more. We fill our closets with stuff. Then we fill our spare bedrooms with stuff. Then we buy a shed and fill it with stuff. And then we go out and we rent a storage facility and we fill it with stuff. And what we fail to realize is our treasures on this earth are temporal, fleeting, and passing. Or as one famous theologian said, Irene Ford, it's all going to burn. It's all going to burn. And we need to be reminded of that. You need to be reminded of that, family. I'm just. This is reality. This is truth. One day, every single material possession you have in this life will rot, fade away, or be ripped from your cold, dead hands. And that's why Jesus says, look at verse 19. He says, uh-uh, don't do it. Don't store up treasures for yourself on earth where moths and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But Jesus says, hey, I got a better idea. Look at the next verse. He tells us what to do. Man, thank you, Lord, for your word. He, he, he makes it simple for simple peop- simple-minded simple people like me. Uh, he look at verse 20. He says, but you, Christian, that was my ad, Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, verse 21, there your heart will be also. What Jesus is saying here is your heart and your treasures are inseparable, okay? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. That's just a fact of life. They follow each other. Whatever you value most in life is where your heart will be. So here's the question for you this morning, for my serious thinkers. Have you discovered the treasure of heaven? Okay? I I, I tend to believe most of us in this room have discovered that treasure. That's why we love Jesus so much. But maybe there's a few here who haven't. Have you discovered the treasure of heaven? Do you see, in reality, the value of the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you understand where you would be without him? It would be hell to pay if it wasn't for Christ in our lives. He is the treasure. Again, we've got to peel back tradition. We've got to peel back religion. We got to see reality. We got to see truth. John 14:6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. Listen to what Jesus said in the parable. In Matthew chapter 13, Matthew chapter 13, verse 44 through 46, Jesus says these words, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid, and for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking a beautiful pearl. When he found that one pearl of great prize, He went and sold all that he had and bought it. Friends and family, Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ himself, is the treasure of heaven. He is the treasure of this life. He is the pearl of great prize. If you have found Jesus, you have found everything. There's nothing greater than the Lord Jesus Christ. There's nothing greater than loving him, serving him, believing in him, Trusting in him because he's that great, and I'm afraid we're losing it today. We're losing it even in the church because we're focused on programs, and we're focused on activities, and we're focused on people and events and stuff, and we're taking our focus off of Jesus, and what we need is Jesus at the center, him to be our treasure. When you understand the price he paid at the cross to save you from hell, damnation, and God's judgment, and then you experience his grace, his mercy, his love, his truth, at that point you will discover the greatest treasure. You will will discover this greatest treasure of Christ Jesus. You know, I've had nightmares at night of stepping into eternity before I came to Christ. And it horrified me. It brought chills to my spine. I was like, oh my goodness, what was I thinking? Not believing and trusting in Christ. I would have suffered under God's judgment for all eternity. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for opening my eyes. You are my greatest treasure. You are my greatest treasure. There's nothing nothing greater than you. Friends and family, you store up treasures in heaven when you obey Christ. In all areas of your life, when you obey obey Christ in all areas of your life, when when you understand the gospel, when you peel back the the, when you peel back all the facades, uh, he is the treasure. But you store up treasures in heaven when you place Christ first, when you tell others about Jesus, when you give everything you have, your time, your talents, and your treasures for Jesus. You're on the clock. Eternity's coming. Are you ready? Are are we ready? Are we we touching people with the truth of the Lord Jesus? Are we showing his love? Are we showing his grace? Are we showing his mercy? Are we warning people of judgment to come? Do, Do we have a sense of urgency in our heart because of this wonderful, beautiful treasure that's in our life? Is Christ your treasure? I ask you this morning. Is there anything you're not willing to lay down for him? Is there any, any material possession, anything that you hold nearly and dearly that, that, that if Christ says lay that down, you're not willing to lay down? It's not a good place to be because we want to place him first. We're going to see at the end of the chapter, my very last verse I'm teaching on, he'll take care of all your stuff, okay? He'll take care of your life. He'll bless you. He'll take care of you, but you've got to place him first. This, is there anything you're not willing to lay down for him? This is salvation when you say, Lord, there's nothing I love more than you. Because Jesus Christ is our treasure. He is our treasure. And let me tell you something. You know, the angels surround the throne. They cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And all of heaven's worship in Christ. And Matthew's up there now joining with the angels. And let me tell you something right now. If you could talk to him right now, he would not want to come back because he's experiencing the joy of being in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ in all his glory, and all his treasure. It's beautiful. Let's continue. Verse 22. Verse 22 says, I believe, yeah, 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 I just finished verse 21. Verse 22 says, The eye is the lamp of the body, so then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. Friends and family, your eyes... These two things right here on the front of your face, on the front of your cranial, they, they are the gateway. They are the gateway to your soul. And what you allow through the gateway of your eyes will fill your soul. Okay? That word clear in verse 22, the Greek is haplos. It means complete, perfect, and undivided. Okay? Let me give you some interpretation, some application. To this verse, If you are completely committed to following Christ and obeying his word, your heart on the inside, that inside part of you, that spiritual part of you, will be lit up by the Holy Spirit in light and purity. And it will manifest in a life that's pleasing to God. Remember that old song we used to sing in children's church? Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. For the Father up above, He is looking down in love. Oh, be careful in your eyes of what you see. Whew, got done with that? I'm not a good singer. <laughs> I was debating whether I was going to sing that or not. But it's true. It's true. Your eyes are the window. Your eyes are the window of of your soul. You know, and uh, we fill it up with good things, holy things, the Word of God. Man, He's just going to illuminate you on the inside. And the light is going to shine bright for the glory of God and the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. But look at verse 23. Verse 23. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. Friends and family, if you watch evil and you watch ungodly things, if you let these things come through the the gateway of your eyes, Witchcraft, sorcery, immorality, pornography. Uh, Your soul will be filled with darkness. That's just the way it is. Your heart will become cold, empty, and like a dark cave. And don't be deceived. What you fill your heart with, you will become. Okay? We are a product. You are a product of what you listen to what you watch, and what you let come in through the windows of your eyes and your ears. You are a product of that. If you choose to entertain greed and deception, you will become a greedy and deceptive person. If you fill your eyes with pornography and immorality, you will be a fornicator and an adulterer. Psalm 119 verse 37, listen to what King David said. He says, this was his cry to the Lord. This is that Psalm 119 that talks about the Word of God, one of the longest chapters in the book of Psalms. He says, turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things and revive me in your ways. What you need to understand is the sinful things of this world are dark. And they want to take you captive. And they want to drag you down. And what you and I have to do, friend, is we have to guard our minds we have to guard our eyes on the things that we allow into our soul. We got to guard it, man. We got to fight. We got to protect it because what's inside of you is most important. Is most important. That your spiritual devotion to Christ. There's nothing greater in this life. And we have to guard our minds. Guard what we listen to. And guard our eyes. You know, if it causes you, if the, Jesus said, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Now, is he saying that we need to go have eye surgery and have our eyeballs popped out the next day? No, Jesus is teaching through hyperbole. What Jesus is saying is this, do whatever it takes in your war against the flesh, and your war against sin. Fight, fight and get rid of it. And let our souls be filled with the light and the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's continue. Verse 24. He says, oh, here we go. I was talking about some money. Let's talk about money. You already talk about money? Let's talk about money. Look at verse 24. Jesus says, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve, look at verse 24, the very end of it, you cannot serve God and wealth. So here, Jesus is talking about money. You know, we live in a world driven by greed and the pursuit of money. I didn't watch the whole movie. I saw a video clip of it, but I think it was, was, it, it was that Tom Cruise movie where he's an agent, a sports agent, and the, and the football player's on the other line, and he gets him chanting, Show me the money! Show me the money! And that's what our world is all about. It's, it's, it comes at us through uh, media, It comes to us through social media. It comes to us through life. Our world is driven by the greed of money. But here's the important question. What does the Bible say about money? Let me give you a couple Bible verses. Don't misunderstand me. God blesses us materially, financially. He takes care of his children, but we never place money first. We never make it the pursuit and passion we control money. Don't let money control us. But what does the Bible say? Proverbs eleven twenty eight says, He who trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like the green leaf. The rich man falls. The man, that, man or woman that pursues riches falls because they take their eyes off the Lord. They take their eyes off of Christ. And, and riches will cause you to fall, but the righteous... Will flourish like the green leaf. The Bible does not teach that wealth is evil, but when you worship it by pursuing it in an unhealthy manner, the Bible says you will fall. New Testament, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 8 and 9. Uh, Paul told Timothy, he says, We have food and covering, with these we shall be content. But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. The pursuit of riches can be painful and disastrous. Just ask Eric Murdoch. I watched a documentary Friday night on Dateline. There was a two-hour documentary on everything that that dude did here in South Carolina. And his, that, what that show showed... That is an example of what greed and the pursuit of the almighty dollar will do to people. It wrecks people. It ruins people. It's like idolatry. It controls them. You know. And it was very sad. The pursuit of riches wrecks families. The pursuit of riches wrecks marriages. And for believers... It can become an idol. If that's not enough, Paul, skip over a little bit in that same chapter, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 and 18, he says, um, Paul says, instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches. Man, it, it, it fluctuates. It's, it's there one day and it's gone the next. One, one month you're, you're a fat cat and you are Wealthy, and you got lots of money, and next month you're broke. But don't fix it on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do good and to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. The Bible warns us not to pursue or trust in our material wealth. And we do not measure God's blessing on the size of our house or how much money is in our checking account. God blesses us financially, but it's to take care of our family and, number one, to be a blessing to others. So, you know, we should give. Our, our goal in life should be to get out of debt and use everything we have to honor the Lord, including our material possessions, including our talents, and including our finances. We should, you should, I should, we all should do everything we can to honor the Lord with everything that we have including our finances. It's a good discipline to give to your local church. It's a good discipline to give to missionaries. It's a good discipline to see a brother or sister in need, maybe a family struggling and they, you know, through the COVID pandemic or something whatever and go and pay their electric bill. You know, let's use our wealth to honor the Lord and not Um, Jesus said in verse 24 you cannot serve God in wealth you can't place money above the Lord use it as a tool for ministry to be devoted to him amen alright verse 25 verse 25 Jesus shifts gears here in verse 25 uh, the, um, the the theme is don't worry and I couldn't help but to think of that song don't worry Be happy, and I'm not going to sing the rest of the song because I went out on a limb earlier, and I I think I got it semi right. I don't want to take another chance, but y'all know that song. Don't worry, be happy, and we need to be. We need to be happy in the Lord. We need need to rejoice and let our hearts be content with where the Lord has us in this life right now, and be thankful for the provision that He has given us today to take care of our families and to be givers. But let's let's look at verse 25. Verse 25, Jesus says, For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. It's not life more than food and body more than clothing. And what Jesus is talking about here, he's talking about people who take their eyes off eternity. They take their eyes off of Jesus and they're completely focused on the things of this life. What you will eat, verse 25, what you will drink. What will you what will you put on? Now he doesn't say we don't disregard those things. We don't, you know, not take care of our family or not take care of our well being, but we don't place those things above serving the Lord. And we we place him first in all things. Here's a a good biblical definition of worry. A a biblical definition of worry is this it is the sin of distrusting God. The promise and providence of God. I forgot. I think I got. I think I got this out of Vines. I I, I wish I'd normally write that down, but I think I got it from Vines Dictionary. It was either Vines Dictionary or MacArthur's Commentary. But a biblical definition of worry is the sin of distrusting or not trusting the promise and providence of God. And if you're honest, and I'm being honest, this is the sin that most of us commit. This is the sin that we most often. Uh, commit and we're because we're let's let's face it you know if we're not spiritually minded and, and we we tend to take our minds off the spiritual things and put them on the physical things and when things aren't going right in this life it causes us to worry and what we got to do is we got to program ourselves we got to remind ourselves that when we start experiencing that worry that doubt that difficulty in life we need to stop and say and, get, and refocus and say lord i'm taking my eyes of what I'm seeing in this world and my, my well-being, food, clothing, money, whatever, and I'm putting my eyes on Lord, on you, Lord Jesus. Lord, I got this electric bill coming up, and I need to pay it. I don't know how I'm going to pay it. I'm just going to put my trust in you, and I'm going to lift this concern up to you. That's what, that's what we do in those situations instead of worrying. And then he gives us some illustrations. Look at verse 26. He says, look at the birds of the air that they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? So God says here, look at the birds and how God provides for them. He will do the same for you and me, okay? God will take care of you. And it's not our spiritual devotion And our walk with Christ is most important. But yes, God will even take care of this material life that we live in. We can trust him to provide for jobs. We can trust him to provide a place to live. We can trust him to take care of us in our physical needs. This verse does not suggest that we do nothing and we not work. I mean, have you ever watched a bird hunting for food? They work hard. And every couple of weeks, I crawl up in a deer stand. And whether I see a deer or not, I love, man, I'm telling you, man, this is my, my heaven on earth, is sitting in a deer stand with my 308 right here, my Bible in my hand, and just watching out across creation. I watch the squirrels and the birds, and hopefully a deer comes along. But you ought to see them, man. They work hard. Those birds, man, I'm sitting there quiet. They, they, just, they go from limb to limb. They are searching, they are working, they're they're looking for food. I watch the squirrels, the, the coyotes. I watch all of them going throughout the woods, and they are constantly working. But here's the thing. They work and they search until they find, okay? So God is not saying in his word that we don't work or we just don't do nothing. No, we need to work, we need to apply ourselves, and we need to go out and look for employment and for ways to take care of ourselves. But ultimately and are working and pressing forward, God will take care of us, okay? God will take care of you. And If you have a pressing need in your life, you're facing a difficult situation, I want to encourage you to take it to the Lord in prayer. Take it to God and say, God, I'm trusting you for this area of my life to make a way. Now, we're not talking about Lamborghinis. And we're not talking about a house on Lake Murray. That's ridiculous. You know, we don't, we, That's not how God operates at all. But he will take care of your need. He will, he will take care of you in every area of your life. I'm trusting the Lord for my daughter. I'm trusting the Lord for my son. I'm trusting the Lord for my wife, for my family. You know, if, I get it, if, a car, if my car breaks down, Lord, please give me wisdom today on what mechanic to take it to so I don't get ripped off. We can trust him for every area of our life. Not just his spiritual matters, but physical matters too. Where was I at? Verse 27. Verse 27, he says, And who of you being worried can add a single hour to his life? Can I get an amen? You know, I, I, I lead, I lead, I lead the, I'm at the front of the line when it comes to the sin of worry. But at the end of the day, at the end of my worry... And God has taken care of me or made a way, I look back and I say, Oh ye of little faith. Oh ye of little faith. What we need to have is we need to have faith. Anxiety and worry achieve nothing but a troubled heart. Let me repeat that. Anxiety and worry in your life achieves nothing but a troubled heart, followed by fear and then followed by depression. The English term worry, it comes from an old German word meaning to strangle or choke. This is exactly what worry does. It strangles us and it chokes us in our faith and trust in the promises of God. It comes down to faith, just trusting in the Lord. God, you're going to provide for me. You're going to take care of me. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. You should all have it memorized. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Trust God, not only for the God of our salvation, but the God of this life, the Lord, our Lord and God, Almighty God. Let's continue. Verse 28. Um, Verse 28. We'll read verses uh, 28 through 30. And why are you... Excuse me, and why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow, and they do not toil, nor do they spin. For I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. You know, when I look at those verse, this to me, this shows me the the depth and the detail of God's care and provision. Just by simply Jesus mentioning in verse twenty eight, are you why are you worried about clothing? The details of our life we can trust the Lord for. We can trust God for our provision for, our, for everything in life. It's a walk of faith. It's a walk of faith. Verse 30, he says, but if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, how, excuse me, Will he not much more clothe you? And there it is, O oh, ye of little faith, O oh, ye of little faith. Man, that, that one's hit me square in the forehead so many times in life that I'll be worried, I'll be fretting, I'll lose sleep at night, I'll toss and turn, thinking about something that's going to happen the next day. And I'll pray about it, and I'll still struggle and fight with it. And the next day, the decision time comes around, and all is well. And I'm like, gosh, why did I worry? Why did I fret? You know, we're, we're we're God's children. He's our heavenly father. He's our father in heaven. And a father takes the heavenly father, he takes care of his children. He takes care of us. And we so what we need to do is we just need to have faith in God for everything, for everything in life, for salvation for family, for employment. You know, I'm thankful that there's no stipulations on prayer request. You know, we need to bring all of our prayers to him, all of, the, all of our requests to him. For everything you need in life, you can trust him. You can trust him as Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh. He is the Lord, our provider. And we need to trust him in every, every, every area of our life. He's an awesome God. Doesn't always mean things are going to work out the way you want them. Doesn't mean bad things aren't going to happen in life. But when, when bad things do happen, things don't go the way you hope, hoping, he'll be with you in the fire. He'll be with you in the trial. Maybe he's teaching you something. Maybe he's, he's, he's teaching his children through difficult and trying circumstances. But we need to trust him and walk by faith no matter what we face in this life. Let's, continue, let's wrap this up. Verse 31. He says, Do not worry then. That's the theme over and over. Do not worry. Do not worry. It reminds me of Jesus' words in John 14, where he says, Do not let your heart be troubled. But he says, Verse 31, Do not worry then, saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what we will wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, but your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. He knows it all. He knows, he knows your needs before you need them. But verse 33, verse 33, he wraps this up. Here it is. But seek ye first the kingdom of his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. This right here, family, you could just circle verse 33 or make a little note Whatever, this is the greatest New Testament verse on managing our material possessions. Verse 33 is to seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, to, to make Jesus first in every area of our life, to live, to please Him, use your material possessions in this life, and yes, even your money to honor the Lord. Luke 638, Jesus says, "Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you in return. In Psalms 24, one, Psalm 24 verse 1, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everything is his. Everything is his. And, and he, he, he's blessed us with it, and let, it, let us in this life be good stewards of what God has blessed you with materially. And then finally, verse 34. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Oh, man, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for that verse. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. You know, let's, let's focus on the issues at hand today. Let's take care of them with God's wisdom and prayer. And then we'll worry about tomorrow, tomorrow, for each day has enough trouble of its own. Two things I want to close with, family. Number one, two principles for you to take home. Every time you're tempted to worry, go to the word of God. Anytime worry grabs your heart and you face that fret and that worry, go to the Word of God. Trust in the promises of God's Word and replace your worry with faith. Second principle, second take home is this. Make Christ your treasure. The Lord Jesus Christ, He is our treasure. Understand the cross and His salvation and treasure Him more than anything. And that that that's that's the key to to the successful Christian life is is placing Christ first and trusting in him in the good times and the bad times. When all is well and through the fire, he will be there for you. Be encouraged. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't give in to worry and make Jesus Christ your treasure. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, thank you, Lord, for this study of Matthew. God, thank you for these awesome verses, Lord. This awesome, amazing truth has come off the pages of Scripture into our hearts. Lord, let us see all our material possessions as what they are. They're material things that are going to fade away one day. But Lord, when we step into eternity, what's done for you and for your kingdom, and you alone, you are our treasure. So, Lord, help us to take this message to heart and help us to grow. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.